Welcome to Reinventing Professionals, a podcast hosted by industry analyst Ari Kaplan, which shares ideas, guidance, and perspectives from market leaders shaping the next generation of legal and professional services. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with Gabe Tenenbaum, a professor at Suffolk University Law School and the director of the Institute on Legal Innovation and Technology. Hi, Gabe. How are you? Hey, Ari. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm looking forward to speaking with you today. So tell us about your background and your work at Suffolk University Law School. I've been at the law school for just over 10 years, and for the last few years, I've been running the Legal Innovation and Technology Program. That's really where I focus my time and energy now, and that comes out of experience. So before I started running this program, I was a legal writing professor, and I spent a lot of time with students thinking with them about how they should solve legal problems most effectively and efficiently. And that was in turn informed by a few years as a practicing lawyer. For the past few years, I've been focused on getting students up to speed on legal innovation and technology. I had the chance to actually visit your legal innovation and technology lab because I was in Boston when you were inducted into the College of Law Practice Management. Congratulations again. Thank you. It's a, it's a real honor. So how do students take advantage of that opportunity? The Lit Lab is a research and development project within the law school, and it runs like a clinic. Students sign up, and when they sign up, they're overseen by the director of the Lit Lab, who's a brilliant data scientist slash attorney named David Colarusso. And the students get assigned to real projects for real clients, sometimes legal aid clients, sometimes courts, sometimes for-profit law firms. And they have it as an experience that they go with over the course of the semester. So students just sign up and they're drawn largely from our Legal Tech Student Association. So we have something like 200 students who are signed up in the Legal Tech Student Association and have taken some of the courses or have been involved in legal tech here in the law school in one of the extracurricular events and just really want to focus their energies on something more. Why are law schools incorporating initiatives like the Lit Lab? I think for a few reasons. One, I'd, I'd like to think that part of the reason is because being competent in technology is now a core responsibility for all practicing lawyers, at least according to the ABA. And last I checked, that part of the rules of professional responsibility has been adopted in something like 32 states. You know, we have an obligation to be competent in relevant technologies. And to do that, you have to do more than just sort of point people to news articles or give general awareness. Our belief here is that you have to get people working in things hands-on. And, and that's one of the things the Lit Lab does. I mean, we get students doing real live data science projects, building apps and websites for clients, doing projects that are actually going to meaningfully change the way that people interact with the legal system. So the hope is that we're doing things that help people get responsibly prepared to be terrific practitioners and to access new sorts of jobs. And, and I think that might be why other schools are starting to do it too. Can you share some examples of some of the innovations that you've created and that your students have worked on? Absolutely. So one of the really exciting ones that just came out was a project that we did that was funded by the Pew Foundation. Stanford Law School is also part of it. And we built a tool to help create a taxonomy of legal problems that we can turn over to legal aid organizations. So the same way when you plug into Google a search, 
it leads you to the results that are most relevant well, beyond the ads that people are paying for. Once you get past that page, it brings you to the most relevant results based on a machine learning algorithm. Nothing like that really exists for legal aid organizations. So if you go to your legal aid organization's website and plug in a question about bankruptcy, it, it doesn't typically have any sort of smart mechanism to get you to the right resources or to the right people. And to build something like that, you need to have people who are experts in machine learning and you have to have this big corpus of information. So what we did was we partnered with Reddit, which has something like 75,000 random questions that people have gone onto the website to ask for legal advice. And we've created a game to help organize this information and people use this game and they say whether a given problem is a family law problem or a criminal law problem or a landlord tenant problem and there's an algorithm that has been built behind it that will help to categorize that information so that we can then package that algorithm and turn it over to legal aid organizations and the director of the lit lab david Colaruso, is really the brains behind this operation and, and he has students working with him on it and that's sort of an example of the real world things that we build. We've also built some really exciting stuff to help with local organizations. We had a team of students last year that built an automated tool for people in Minnesota who were having bed bug problems to assert their rights with their landlords to make sure that the situation was cured and they got the compensation they were entitled to. We had another student who's now an ABA Center for Innovation fellow build a tool that allows juvenile court judges to plug in information about kids that come before them, giving information about their age, where they're from, and the need they have, whether it's something like anger management or drug treatment or job training. And then from there, find out what organizations that are near that child have open beds to care for the kid rather than sending the kid off to jail. So those are the kinds of projects that we work on within the Lit Lab. And then there are dozens and dozens of projects that are done within classes themselves. So the Lit Lab is just one little piece of the hands-on training that our law students do, but it's a really, really exciting one. What skills do today's students need to have that prior generations didn't need to worry about? The first thing that comes to mind is that there are new technologies that are available now that are changing things in ways that are to a higher degree than historically they've been changed. Technology is been evolving in law for decades and centuries. We grew up around the, the change from CD-ROM legal research to online legal research, but that was a huge innovation too. What's different now is that the pace of innovation is changing. And to stay up on it, you really need to put some time and attention into it. So our belief is that students need to be able to do a few different things. One is they need to be able to understand what technologies are relevant and to be able to identify going forward the kinds of tools that might help them in a given situation. So we don't say that every student needs to learn how to code or that every student needs to learn to build an expert system or automated documents. It's terrific, and we can show them how if they're interested. But at the very least, every student should be able to identify situations where those technologies will be relevant and useful and be able to find someone that can do the work. Next, we're deep believers in these engineering principles as applied to law. So things like Lean and Six Sigma that have historically been used in manufacturing can be applied to legal work. And we run a course and various opportunities for students to get involved in these spaces so that people can do process improvement when they walk out of this place so that they can get involved in complex transactions or complex litigation and figure out what are all the different things that are happening in this case? How can I decompose them and find the right person and the right tool to be working on the right thing? So we want all of our students to be able to do that. And then the third piece that's really, really important is 
we want students to understand new business models for the practice of law. Historically, law schools, it, to the extent they've talked about it at all, have focused on being better at billing hours, being better at using contingent fees. And we think meaningfully about all the other models out there for delivering legal services. We teach students about them and encourage them to get involved and to experiment. Your point about students and their skills is interesting to me because I created a Slack group about six months ago for people who wanted to do a free Code Academy class to teach themselves Python. And now I'm six months in, I'm halfway through the course, and I remember being in your lit lab, seeing some code, and knowing as much to know that it wasn't Python. And I felt very successful in that, I oh, that's probably Java. That is definitely not Python. And I, I wonder how beneficial it will be for students really to just be able to have a conversation and just be able to do that in terms of distinguishing themselves. Well, at a minimum, we want people to be able to be conversant with these things so that they can communicate with folks who do it for a full-time living. The same way when you own a home, it's useful to have a basic understanding of how electricity and plumbing work. Now, I don't recommend the average person does their own plumbing work, but it's important to have a sense for whether this leaky faucet means that a house is about to fall over or if it's something that can be adjusted with a wrench or if it's something that you can you know, invite the plumber to come at his or her own time to do leisurely. And we think the same sort of mindset should apply with legal work and people should know what computer technology is capable of. And if they want to get involved, if they want to dive in, we'll help them to dive as deep as they're capable. We have people on our faculty who are professional level computer programmers. We have intermediate level computer programmers. We have people that are just generally familiar with the tools that are out there. And we want to get people to their comfort level. So when you go into a place like the Lit Lab, it looks different than any other law school place I've ever been because it looks like a development shop and there's computer talk going on and there's agile development work that's happening. And the students have become conversant in that and we want to help them to the extent they want to be immersed to, to become immersed. But at the very least, we want them to be aware. Your analogy to a home ownership is interesting. I remember when I moved from an apartment to a house, my contractor specifically showed me where the water shutoff valves were. And I was so proud of myself once when there was a little bit of a leak and I called him and I said, I shut the water. I knew where it was. He sent me a text. Please don't try to fix anything. That sort of thing is terrific. So imagine that applied to legal work. So you have a person that goes off to a clerkship or they become a summer associate or they get their first attorney job and they say, why is this member of our secretarial team typing the same letter 50 times over? I know enough that I can automate that and I can make it so that we'll link that up with our database and with a couple of clicks that person can send all 50 letters at once or print them all at once so someone that can review them. That's the kind of win that we're looking for. We don't need students to come out building apps that are released on the iTunes store. And certainly we've done that too. What we need is people to be just handy enough that they can say like, hey, maybe I can try that. And if I'm not comfortable or if it's not a good use of my time to do that, at least I know what's feasible for someone to do and the rough level of difficulty would be to, to use it. You run an educational technology company called Spaced Repetition Systems. How does your entrepreneurial background inform your teaching style and philosophy? The website itself is relevant to what we do here for a few reasons. One, because it's largely aimed at law students. So what the site does 
is it uses an algorithm to give people the exact right moment that they should study flashcards. And it's based on 100-year-old psychology that could never effectively be used because it required someone to cue people at the exact right moment to study. And now that we all carry supercomputers in our pockets in the forms of iPhones and Droid phones, you can have that reminder right there and you can pull up these digital flashcards at the right moment whenever you need to. What I've done with this site is created a tool so that law students, the contents written by law professors, have the ability to study using the most efficient means, using the best content. And it very closely relates to the mindset that I try to teach to students, which is to say that there are problems in the legal market that could best be solved by new products. And we spend a lot of time thinking about that, thinking about what the problems are and thinking about what the best way is to adjust the way things work to create a new market, potentially a, a new entrepreneurial opportunity for the student. And just like that website, which is spacedrepetition.com, the company is Space Repetition Systems, has been successful. We have something like 6,000 active users right now. Our students are finding success in this space too because they have this mindset where they say, look, I'm seeing things that are imperfect. I'm seeing things that could be improved. I know enough technology to know that there are tools to help fix these things. And the student's get serious about giving these solutions a shot. And a lot of my teaching is spent focused on getting people to that place. So I teach two courses. One is on hands-on use of tech tools. And only part of that class is teaching them actually to how to use the tool. The other part of that class is giving them the broader context. When should I use this tool? When shouldn't I use this tool? What competitors exist? And what are the decisions I need to make about which one to choose? And then the other class that I spend a lot of time with is a class on these new business models, which includes this idea of productization of legal services. This idea that the things that we do one-to-one and bill hours for could be repackaged in ways that would make legal services available to more people at a lower cost and, and to do a service to the community as well as to give the students an opportunity to have a, a new sort of career. How do you see law school changing in the next few years? What I imagine is that there will be more emphasis on practical skills, but practical skills look different every decade or so. So in our lifetime, I think the practical skills that are going to be most in demand or the new practical skills are going to be things like process improvement. The idea is that when you hire a new attorney into a firm, you want that person to be able to do things effectively and efficiently on behalf of clients. I also think that law students have to be savvy about how to deliver a good experience to clients. So that means some soft skills, being able to work in teams, being able to work with clients, being able to make people feel good about your services on their behalf. And I think those sorts of practical skills are becoming more and more to the fore. At Suffolk, we have all those sort of traditional things. We have a gigantic clinical program. We have something like 200 electives that really focus on some of these very, very pointed skills that are in demand. And I think more and more schools will start to do those things simply because they make sense. They get people jobs. And frankly, they make for a fun experience for students. Students like to do things that are a little bit different. And, and we're giving students those opportunities. This is Ari Kaplan speaking with Gabe Tenenbaum, a professor at Suffolk University Law School and the director of the Institute on Legal Innovation and Technology. Gabe, it's really been a privilege. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Ari. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Reinventing Professionals podcast. Visit ReinventingProfessionals.com or AriKaplanAdvisors.com to learn more.